0: to All Things Guitars and Music, the podcast by Vapor Guitars. And that was my band Adore with the little song snippet called Feed Yourself. Now, this show coming up here is with Greg Burnett from ESP Guitars USA. He is the uh, final assembly supervisor and guitar builder with ESP Custom Guitars USA. Enjoy the show. Hey, Jim. Hey, Greg. How are you? Good, how are you, sir?
1: Good, did
0: I wake you? No, sir. Wow, so it's really nice to, like, I guess finally meet, I guess over the phone at yeah. least.
2: Yeah, for sure, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, because we, we've been friends since when, I don't know, a couple of years, at least on a social media platform.
1: Right, yeah, it's been, it's been a while, you know, we've been following each other for a while and stuff, so it's been pretty
0: cool. Yeah, I remember when I first built... Um, my guitar kit, I asked you some questions about like shielding and stuff like that.
1: Oh, <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, remember that?
1: Yeah, I do, I do actually. Yeah, just uh, shielding and trying to get rid of a ground hum or something.
0: Yeah, so I, I was yeah, able I... to fix that and then went on to build my first uh, flying V, you know, from scratch and then decided to start my own guitar company. <laughs>
2: No, it's been
1: cool, man. You've been you've been doing some really cool stuff, and you 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 dove you dove right into it, and you're doing some really cool stuff, man. Uh, your your prices are really
0: man, they're really affordable, and and for what people are getting, it's, it's a really good deal. Yeah, so obviously it's manufactured overseas, so I could keep it at the low price point, but the quality yeah. is actually really good. I got you know friends from Dark Angel Power Man Five Thousand playing them and saying that they're actually really. You could charge more for these, but I rather get the guitars in the hands of people first.
1: Right. No, yeah. that's that's the thing now because um, you know I don't I don't look down at that at all because honestly it's a big it's a huge investment to invest in a, in, in in a shop to be able to do a lot of uh, you know manufacturing you know as far as setup to where you're efficient you know as far as guitar manufacturing stuff so it takes a, it takes a lot and. Yeah. I think if you can find a good factory that delivers uh, a quality product and everything else, like the fit and finish, you can dial in and, and, and uh, you know, kind of dial stuff in the way you want as far as your quality standards and stuff like that. You know, say you get a raw neck, raw body, or whatever. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're getting them finished overseas, but... Um,
0: no, it comes to me complete, and I do like a 10-point inspection, I guess. Right. And so far, I haven't had really had to do anything. I was expecting to do some, you know uh leveling of the frets you know even the guitar necks come like perfect
1: wow that's awesome because usually yeah usually that's one of the standard things you have to go to is go through the setup you have to you have to re-level frets make sure frets are seated yeah. properly or or make sure frets are springing up on you stuff and then do a level on them and, and uh, tech them out from there
0: yeah I mean no sharp edges or anything but I do order small quantities, so they do a lot of handwork with them.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. So really, really
0: cool. Yeah. So thank you for that. Appreciate that. So, um, anyways, I got Greg Burnett from ESP Guitars USA with us. Um, thank you for doing this podcast. I really appreciate it.
2: Oh yeah, of course, man.
1: I mean, it's it's been cool to just uh, you know get to know you over social media throughout the years and stuff. The last few years, I guess it is, and uh, you know you're doing some cool stuff. I mean, you love the instrument. You love guitars. You got you dove into uh, you know doing your own thing and. Despite having a full time job and everything, so that's pretty
0: commendable. Yeah, people trip out like, I don't know I got a full time job, got the guitar company. Now I'm starting the uh, the podcast thing, and then my band Livid. Uh, we we haven't been doing much, but I still got that going on too. So uh, yeah, so tell us about yourself, um, how you got started. I know, I understand you were at Fender, right? Um,
1: yeah, I mean originally. Um, I, I was uh, working, well, what it was, I, you know, I had a part-time job or whatever, but
2: uh, what it was, I was going to school for auto body and Paint, so I'd gone through a certification program.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, I think what it was, it, my dad mentioned something to, uh, to a friend of his who was an original Jackson Charvel employee who was working at Jackson at the time in Ontario, California. Yeah. So the, the factory we were at before Fender bought, bought the company. So he was working there, and um, they were looking for somebody with no experience. And so I I went down right away. I filled out an application. I met with the uh, the boss, who was like a, a really good friend and, and one of my one of my mentors, Tim Wilson. He he interviewed me and stuff and looked at my resume. He saw some things that he liked. Saw that I was doing auto body and paint, which is a good thing to know because you kind of learn how to shape and sand and yeah. blend and all that stuff. And uh, and uh, he played softball, and I was playing softball at the time, so that was another thing. So I think that those two things just kind of stood out to him. And uh, like I said, they were looking for somebody with no experience, so they brought me on. Uh, the guy, the guys who were using before, they were just kind of they had bad habits from doing stuff different ways at other companies or whatever, and they wanted
0: someone fresh. Uh, to,
1: yeah, they wanted someone to come in with no experience, so they could train them the way they wanted. Uh, wanted to do the job, and I and I was hired for fret work and I started doing fretwork there, and,
0: uh, they didn't hire you for painting, since you were taking painting, or paint, Uh, what, what was that, didn't they hire you for paint first, since you were, like, what were you doing, body shop painting,
1: you know, they didn't, no, it's just, it's just that I had the hands-on, kind of, like, more, like, craftsman, you know, tradesman type of, of, uh, okay, uh, yeah, you know, just more of that background going into it, and, uh, they just saw that, and, and they asked if I wanted to start there. They didn't have an opening in paint at the time. Okay. But uh, I eventually worked in the paint department, though.
0: Yeah, and this was... Uh, wow. So Jackson and Charvel, were they one company at that time when you were working there, before Fender yeah. bought them?
1: Yeah, actually actually, what it was... So Charvel was was, was, the, was the main company back in the day when it first started. So yeah. it was, uh, you know, Wayne Charvel... You know that's that's where the name come from, came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was his little his little business, and uh, basically what they would do is they would hot rod strats and stuff like that. Um, didn't really do any real manufacturing. The so manufacturing didn't start as far as Charvel Instruments until after. Um, the way I understand it, from the guys who basically were there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So guys like Mike Shannon, Tim Wilson, you know, uh, a couple other people, Mike Eldred. There's there's others in that too, but. They were all part of the, you know, original manufacturing of, of the early Charvel, like the first run of Charvel. So Charvel was the comp- actual company.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Jackson came about uh, from a need to, like, maybe go, go and have a different brand for, like, say, the Randy Rhodes. So when the first Randy Rhodes was made, uh, they thought maybe it was too radical to put the Charvel name on it. Yeah. So they called it Jackson, uh, um, as Scrover Jackson of the company at the time.
0: Okay. And then, uh, and then you were there when uh, Fender bought them out, right?
1: Yeah, I was there. So that was like, I want to say, uh, I want to say 2002, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, 2000, yeah, 2002, 2003. Uh, I think 2003, we actually moved from Ontario to down to the Fender factory. In Corona. Yeah, in Corona, California, yeah.
0: Wow. So... Uh, so you started doing fret work, and then what did they have you do? Because you you well, basically worked your way up to like a final assembly supervisor.
1: Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly how it went. Basically, what I what I did was I used to get ahead because I didn't I didn't like to when I first started. It was a, it was tough. And, yeah. Uh, you know, eventually I you know I had to I had to work really hard to to get really good at what I was doing. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know we had we made a lot more guitars back then. Um, at that actual factory, I mean, for Jackson Charvel, it, was, it wasn't it wasn't their um, busiest time, but we were probably doing a couple hundred guitars a month. I want to say
0: somewhere around there. Wow, still a lot of guitars.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. And then, um, so you worked at at the uh, the Fender factory in Corona for how long?
1: Um, I was there. I want to say from two thousand. Well. I, total, total, I was with Jackson Charvel, so I didn't actually work for Fender itself as far as, like, on their product line. I always worked for the Jackson Charvel line.
0: Okay. So did they have the so, companies, companies separate within the uh, factory?
1: They, they did. So it was kind of weird at first. Nobody knew how to accept us. So they moved us in, made some room for us and stuff. But uh, you know, like, how you have a new kid at school, and you <laughs> kind of feel a bully as you walk down the hall? Yeah. How it seemed. It's a. It's kind of how it felt for us for a while until so we kind of worked our way in, and everybody got used to the idea that there was a another group of people working there now. You know.
0: Yeah the the younger folks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that was like that was my perception.
1: It felt like you know you're the kid at school and you're getting bullied because you're the new kid at school, kind of thing. But uh, we 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 uh, eventually worked our way in and and assimilated with the culture. You know.
0: Yeah. I bet you it was fun yeah. to work there. I always see videos and stuff and uh, uh, people working there. Um, uh, Sean Silas, you know him, right?
1: Yeah, I know Sean. I actually interviewed Sean. Oh, you did? Yeah. Recently? No, I interviewed. I no, I interviewed Sean for the job at,
0: at over there. Oh, for the oh, for the job. Yeah, because yeah,
1: So I I brought him I brought him on to Jackson Charvel back then. Yeah, he's a good
0: guy. Yeah, that's cool because you know I follow him on Instagram. And I'm working in the office, kind of stressing out, and I see his little videos at work, and I'm like, "Dude, are they hiring?" <laughs> <laughs> I
2: know, huh?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start off as a janitor first, but you know, just to get in there. Then he goes, right. he goes, uh, "You're probably making more than you would here anyway." So, and I'm like, "Yeah, that sucks."
2: But yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it, it just
1: depends on the role, you know. When you go in, uh, I would say I would say Fender was always very competitive and very. Um, Actually, maybe on the higher end of the scale as far as pay. Yeah. So for certain for certain jobs or, or whatever, but it's just really where you, where you find find your spot, where you work into what your level of responsibility is, and then
2: it just goes up from there.
0: Yeah, so I, I always imagine it, it would be a great, you know, well, because I'm into guitars and stuff, so, you know, that's why I think it would be fun.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Just to be around it and, and be in there and uh, be a part of it is, is it's an, it's pretty awe inspiring when you walk into a factory that size, and you know they could have you know 600 you know 600 plus people at any time working there, and mm-hmm. uh, you walk around and you see guitars on on uh, overhead conveyor belts just kind of going around the factory as they're dry, as they're drying, and they just sit up there and cure, and um, it's a, it's a pretty crazy sight to see, you know, uh, just the amount of uh, work being done in that factory. It's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, since uh, you didn't have that—that that, you didn't have any experience before you started working for a guitar company, were you like in bands before, like were you into the guitar?
1: You know, I was always into guitar, and I was always—you uh, um, know—I always played. Um, I didn't work on it too much other than like string changes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't know enough about it. I didn't want to mess anything up because I. I just you know my guitar always played fine. I always dealt with it. it um, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I had I had really poor quality uh, acoustic guitars that I learned on. Yeah. So if you can play on those things, you can pretty much play on anything.
0: Yep, that's and how I so learned. Once I,
1: got, once I got my first electric, it was it was like night and day as far as like playability and what I could do and stuff like that. So I never really had to work on them. But yeah, I didn't really do any kind of building or anything like that. I didn't even know. I didn't even think about it, the big possibility of doing something like that.
0: But you were you in bands and stuff too,
1: um, or just I, I wasn't. I wasn't in bands. No, I would. I would play. I would kind of like show off, and uh, you know, other kids in the neighborhood would kind of watch me play and stuff like that. But I never really got into a band situation.
2: I, I was always really too shy as a kid,
0: and mm-hmm. I was always
1: like a, a bedroom shredder kind of thing, you know.
2: Yeah. yeah. I
1: Learned that way, and just kind of kept to myself. That was like my release. That was my escape. Um, from from pretty much everything, and I would spend hours just playing, and you know, it's 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 a uh, it's just something that I did for myself, not really for anybody else. I didn't really want anybody to hear me, but I, I would just do my thing, you know. Yeah, it's kind of str- kind of strange though, because people that would tell me you should be in bands and stuff like that, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it took me a while to start playing in bands because it was just more when I was a kid, junior high and high school it was just girls and partying, you know. And not really, but I was a guitar player, like, too. Like you said, in your bedroom, just playing guitar by myself. But um, thinking back, it's like I should have practiced for hours, like, you know, all the Shredders nowadays. But,
1: right.
0: So, yeah, um,
1: I mean, it's just, you know, you have, you have to find a balance, you know. And, uh, you know, I, li- I grew up in a real small town.
0: Uh, Where'd you, know? you grow up at?
1: Uh, I grew up in a small town called Hemet, California.
0: Oh, I know where that is.
1: Yeah, so it was a different place and time back then, but it was uh, everybody kind of knew each other, and everybody was was kind of friends. It was uh, kind of isolated from bigger cities. You know, my grandparents actually lived in. Uh, I would go to the beach areas a lot. They lived in Huntington Beach.
0: Oh, cool! Probably, that's where I'm at. Probably
1: down, yeah, probably down the street, probably down the street from you, off of Indianapolis and Beach. And uh,
0: yeah, I know so, what uh, yeah been a lot of summers out there stuff like that but where I lived it was so
2: small that it you know it was hard to find good
1: musicians and you know really connect with people and stuff and I, like I said I was always really super shy so I never really ventured out to want to play live or anything like that which in hindsight I probably should have uh, done that and pushed myself a little bit more you know
0: so you, how long did you live in Hemet I mean were you uh working at the Ontario um factory living in Hemet
1: I actually yeah actually I did I I I drove every day uh so that was about eight I want to say eight eight of those years driving out to Ontario and then uh the other five or six or whatever uh driving out to Corona so but I also lived in Long Beach for a while too
0: okay that's cool it's weird uh Jeff Hanneman from Slayer lived out there in Hemet
1: yeah, he was, he was, he was, uh, yeah, somewhere near there, from what I understand.
0: Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, going back to, uh, I got my little notepad here that I want to, so I'm just <laughs> yeah, reading. Yeah, I,
1: I jumped around a
2: little bit, so I apologize
0: for that. Oh, no, I, I think I'm jumping around myself. But um, I listened to you on another podcast with John, uh, was Sully.
2: Yeah. And
0: then uh, he, you guys, I guess you guys talked about Eddie Van Halen, that that was like the one guy working with all the artists that you do with Charville yeah. Jackson or whatever, that was the one guy that, that was like the top guy, pretty much, that you had to work with? Right. And then how, how was that? Because I understand you, you went to his house, right?
1: Yeah, actually, yeah, his, so his house is down below where his actual studio is. So we, we did a, we did work up in a studio.
0: What did you guys do? Yeah, like, yeah. what were you working on?
1: Um, I was working on... Um, I went up there with my buddy Chip, and and uh, I, we were there to bring bring about eight guitars, and they had different pickups in them, you know, different windings and, and voicings and everything. And we took up these guitars so that way he can try them, ABM, and uh-huh. go through them and see what guitar he liked better, you know, as far as the pickups and everything.
0: Oh, so, what kind of guitars were they? Were they his? The Wolfgang? Oh, no, gang? They were
1: Wolfgang. so they were all they were all basically black. They're all black with a, a, a number of spray painted on them, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight.
0: Okay, wow. And
1: uh, yeah, they're just they're just prototypes, and uh, they were it was during the Wolfgang project, and he was trying pickups and you know getting all the Wolfgang stuff dialed in for the uh, EVH Wolfgang. Okay. And uh, so what it was, I was changing out pickups, swapping pickups because in one guitar he liked he liked the feel or the sound of one guitar, so then he wanted those pickups put in. You know, pickups he liked in another guitar and that guitar so I was swapping pickups out and stuff like that and uh, that's what I was doing up there that day and he was just basically just going through guitars and just testing them in the studio
0: Wow, what what so, kind of pickups did he go with? Just what you guys created for him?
1: Yeah, they were basically uh, they were basically Fender made pickups off the Fender uh, pickup line and they were just wound you know, to certain specifications that he wanted and Somewhere around different than others, and, and different, you know, different outputs and stuff like that. So he was just trying to figure out what pickups he wanted to go with as far as his, his production model.
0: So were you there just one day, or did you have to go up there several times?
1: No, it was just the one day for that for that specific trip. So uh, went up there. That was that was pretty nerve wracking because I'm working on a guitar and he's standing right next to me and talking to me, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, who's all in the room? You, you, your buddy, and, and Eddie.
1: Uh, it was me. No, uh, I think Chip and then uh, and Eddie's assistant, and uh, he was over in another another room, and Chip was in another room. But I was in there with Eddie, and Eddie was just asking me questions. As I'm working on his guitar. asking me how long I was that Fender and stuff like that. You know, just kind of kind of mind blowing because like I, I grew up with Eddie Van Halen posters and same here. calendars, and you know he was he was the guy for me when I was growing up. You know,
0: same here. Like. My childhood consisted of, like, in poster hanging, it was first Bruce Lee, and then Tony Alva, the, you know, I thought he was the greatest skateboarder ever, and, yeah. then, and then Kiss, and then Eddie Van Halen, it right. was, he took over the whole room of, in posters, Van Halen, and so, so, so you went there to his house to do the pickup stuff, what was your position at the company, like, how did you get chosen for that, was it your position? Um.
1: I I think just because I because of my um, you know I, I I always did all the, the final fit and finish and well not always but mm-hmm. for for quite a while I was I was already you know really I did really well at all the final assembly of custom guitars and you know all the all the tech work that I've done and anytime you know an artist needed something done I was I was the one who did it and took care of that stuff for years so wow. I think it was just something that um, people I, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know exactly why I was chosen but I think it was just I was I was the guy at the time, best guy for the job at the time to do it. And
2: yeah.
1: you know, I I, I I was I was always like pretty you know, I was always pretty meticulous and I like things to be, you know, perfect and
2: there might have been some of it too. You know, yeah, but I think it was just more or less that I was I was the right guy
1: for the job at the time, and uh, I was available to do that. I was I, I wore I wore a lot of hats, like like Jackson Charvel was a was a smaller company, and it, at one time it got down to only ten employees, and I was one of the ten that were still left after uh, after layoffs and stuff. So, okay, uh, and that was pre-fender, so it, you know I. I Somehow, some way, people, I guess, respected what I did and, and my work enough to uh, know that I, I did a good job and I did a high-quality job and stuff. So I was fortunate enough to be, you know, considered one of those guys, you know?
0: Once in a lifetime. So so tell me about it. So you're driving up there to his house. How, do, how does it work? Is there, is there, like, a gate and then you got, they got to beep you in?
1: Yeah, yeah, not, you know, not, you know um it, it's yeah it's, it's it's in the canyon areas of uh southern california basically mm-hmm. and uh, there's a gate and you know you got to be buzzed in and the gate opens and the gate closes and uh, it's not a real easy place to find it's not an easy place to get to
2: so yeah uh,
1: which is good for him someone like him you know and uh you go up and you drive to the the upper level of the way the yard is graded, there's the lower level where the house is, and then you drive around the little hill and go up a slight incline um, up higher, and his studio is set up there, so that's uh, that's where a lot of stuff was done, up in that studio. And uh, it, it's pretty neat to go in there and see the old guitars and guitars that you only saw in magazines hanging up on the wall, or oh, man. some of them are in, in disrepair or half taken apart, and you know, it's kind of cool to see all that
0: stuff. So did he come out and meet you, or like an assistant came out first?
1: No, well, he was. He, he came out. He, he came out and greeted us and everything, and uh, we uh, we just uh, basically went in there and unloaded guitars and had him try them out, make sure they were in tune. And uh, you know, he's he's, he's he's got one of the most incredible ears, like as far as um, as far as an artist, like he. You know the way he's tunes his—he tunes his guitars not
2: straight on the money, mm-hmm. you know, straight on the dot, you know, right, right at zero. He,
1: the way he tunes, you know, his his tuning's all over the place. I, you know, he'll tune some strings flat and, uh, you know, about eight, 12 cents flat of, uh, you know, zero and. It's just because he wants the guitar to sound intonated at different positions. Like, you know, he plays a lot of higher register chords and stuff like that. So, you know, what sounds in tune in the first position is not going to sound in tune down there. So he kind of finds a balance, that, you know, the way I understand it.
0: Wow. So were you like big fanboy or did you have to keep your composure?
1: Yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> you know, basically, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't get all... You know fanboyed out as much as i wanted to tell him how much i respected him and his music and how much it meant to me growing up over the years and just uh i just kept it professional you know that's one thing people say how can you not take pictures with these people all these people you met and i always tell them you know i'm just not that guy i just you know they're they're another person to me and i'm doing a job and yeah so i just try to keep it like that without you know crossing the line because sometimes you can get some uh We've had employees who've, who've been reprimanded for, uh, you know, kind of being a little creepy. You know, I don't know wow. how else to put it. But with the, some of the some of the uh, artists and stuff, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah. So, so did you I, did you I, get to I meet Wolfgang? Everybody. I mean, Wolfie? The, did you no, meet? No, I, I,
1: no. It was just it was just us, it was just a up there. So it was uh, Matt Brock, me, and uh, Eddie and uh, Chip Ellis.
0: Wow. That's a once-in-a-lifetime uh, thing that you got to go through.
1: Oh, yeah, it was. It was, it was pretty nerve-wracking. because the whole time you don't want to mess up, you know, and, you know, you can do something a thousand times and be the best at it, but you have someone like that standing next to you, and you're, like, getting nervous that
2: you're going to make a mistake or something, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine because, like, you know, living idol or whatever you want to call it, but, like, if I was, like, in a room with him, just, like, me and him and another person or something... And he'd say, "Hey, what's your name, Jim?" I'll be like, ah, "Um, um, yeah." I'll be like dumbfounded. Right. You know, I mean, just so nerve wracking to be around someone like that in a small in a small little room. Right. You know. It's Without.
2: I tried,
1: to, I tried to block it out. Is what I did. You know, just trying not to think about it that way. Yeah. Like, then I, after the fact, of my like, "Man, Eddie Van Halen was standing right there. I was talking to him. I was working on a guitar that he was trying out, and..." You know, plugging into his pedal board and, and seeing his reels, reel to reels, and and his the you know where they recorded a lot of albums in that studio. You know.
0: Damn. Did you at least get a pic?
1: Um, no, no, I, I did. I didn't get. I didn't take anything or ask for anything or <laughs> you know that's that's a thing. Maybe I'm kind of stupid that way. I should have probably um, you know asked to get a picture with him or anything like that, but I didn't.
0: No, so and so that was the only thing you got to do with Eddie was uh, pick up uh, selecting.
1: Yeah, pretty much, just go up there, spent the spent the day up there, and uh, him him testing out guitars, and that was that was pretty much it. I mean, the other stuff I did was uh, was more on the production side. Um, the first he had a replica of his
2: uh, of his Frankenstrat, you know, his Franken Frankenstein yeah. guitar, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I had to basically map out the
1: the final assembly process on the on the first 25, just kind of get a time study together, you know, for the uh, for the guys who were you know my managers and stuff, and uh, basically just let them know how long it should take, and, and basically map out like how the final assembly process was going to go. Because so there's a lot of details you have to work out on those things. You have to drill all the all the weird holes that were all over the body, or you have to um you know just just all the little nuances with his with his original uh, Frankenstein Strat guitar and get all that stuff down to a science and make sure it can be reproduced and, and duplicate, you know duplicated or whatever so Wow that was my role with that with that project. So the first 25 that were done off the line of 300 I, I put together.
0: So. Cool. Cool. Uh, what other artists? Uh... I know Eddie Van Halen is probably the, the big one for us, but like, uh, did you get to work with Metallica or you know any other big ESP artists?
1: You know, the Metallica guys are pretty elusive when it comes to you know actually getting a chance to work with them or, or them going down to headquarters or anything like that. So no, I haven't. I haven't spent any time, spent any time with those guys. I mean, I've. Uh, in, in the past with Jackson, I, I worked with uh, Rob Cavastone one night. I was, just, I was working late, and mm-hmm. he was going to be recording, and he needed some guitars come through. And I just happened to be at the factory late. I mean, it was, it was after normal hours, and I was working. And uh, I, it was just me and him, basically, and I was working on his guitars. And that was pretty cool. So Rob Cavastone from Death Angel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, did some did some stuff for Carlos Cavazzo back in the day. Nice. Um, man, just so many. Um,
0: just so many, huh? Just
1: Yeah. It's, it's crazy, you know? Uh, Warren D. Martini. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff for different, different people. And, uh, you know, again, it's like some of those guys, it's like they're just cool down earth dudes and you don't even think of them as stars or anything like that. But then when you think about it and listen to their music and they're playing and stuff, they're, they're like, it's like another world, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get the job with ESP?
1: Um, ESP, I applied. I mean, I've, I've already had uh, a bunch of years of experience at that point, and, yeah. and had different responsibilities and roles, supervisory experience, and stuff like that. Um, uh, a guy I used to work with over at Fender, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't work closely together, but we knew of each other. Um, he put out the word that he was looking for someone to work in ESP in the woodshop department. Okay. Um, over at the new factory that they put together.
0: That's in yeah. L.A., right? What's that? That's in L.A.
1: Yeah, that's that's in uh, yeah North Hollywood, so it's okay. right right there by the Burbank Airport in that area.
0: Okay. And yeah. where were, where were you living at at that time?
1: Um, I was I was up in Lancaster.
0: Oh okay, so yeah. it's a little was bit of a there. drive. I was
1: working. Uh, at that point, I was I was going to school. Uh, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of a lot of years in school, so a lot of my time after Fender, I've spent like professional development and stuff, but at the same time, um, I was working with Tim Wilson as well, who had a, a bunch of guitars that he was making for different manufacturers, or different people, I should say, different mm-hmm. brands.
0: Wow, so, and that was how many years ago, when you got the job um, with ESP?
1: I, I started working with ESP in 2014. So it's going on going on six years here in April.
0: Is that how long um, ESP Guitars USA has been in LA? I guess you guys opened shop there, right?
1: Yeah, as far as, far as this this run of ESP USA, um, the shop opened in I want to say the the first production year, which I, I came on board uh, in the in the first quarter. So mm-hmm. it was uh, twenty fourteen. So yeah
0: okay and those guitars are i mean and you're you're the dude that inspects everything before it goes out right i mean
1: yeah yeah for the most part so um so everything that goes through that shop so it's you know we we all have a we all have a hand in that we all we're all like you know we all have a hand in inspecting the guitars and making sure they're what they need to be from depart- department to department. So that way, by the time it gets to the end, everything is the way it should be. You know what I mean? And maintaining quality and stuff. So it, it's been a it's been a challenge because when you start a, a, a small factory from the ground up, you know there's a lot of things to work out. And I think a lot of that that's where I came in, and mm-hmm. I was able to help out with making suggestions on 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 structure and how things should be laid out and and you know, just as far as you know, when I first went in there, everybody was kind of bouncing around and doing different duties every day, and you could never really establish a flow that way. Yeah. You know, one day you could be in assembly and putting guitars together. The next day you're in the woodshop sanding or fretting. Or so
2: what happens is you don't really gain any efficiency. And yeah, you, you know, just just
1: just suggestions to like kind of put put people in in spots to develop the process for each each department and, and you know different procedures and tasks that were involved with that department and get those worked out and then that would improve efficiency and everybody would become experts in their spot and then go from there. So once that happened things really started taking off and uh, that's where the most improvement happened and then from there it was just other strategic um, decisions you know as far as personnel and and uh, stuff like that you know,
0: yeah, I mean, I love ESP guitars and the, the LTDs. Um, I was playing an LTD uh, Eclipse yesterday at Sam Ash, just checking out some pedals. And they're made in Korea, right? The LTDs?
1: Yeah, we, there, we, we use a couple different factories. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot to do with the import lines at all. Oh, okay. But just just from my understanding, I know, I know that we do um, import from a couple different factories. So couple factories so they were they're scrutinized all the time for their quality and um making sure that the quality is in line with not only with each other but with what like, ESP you know expects yeah of
0: factories, so. well they make um, great guitars and then uh I've you know since I follow you on Instagram and Facebook I, I love seeing the pictures that you post um some killer guitars but um do you get to play with all of them <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, no, part... I, I appreciate that very much. Um, if, as far as the USA's, I do. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't play a lot of the import stuff on the other side, just because. So we have two buildings. So we have our, our manufacturing side, which uh, what I'm responsible for. Yeah. And we have our dis- distribution side, where that's where all the import import guitars go. So sometimes I'll get questions about guitars that I don't even really know that much about,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's where the disconnect is because I'm not. I don't ha- I'm not as hands-on on that side of it, you know, and, you know, of course, I have access to information and stuff like that, but as far as hands-on personal knowledge, I don't get a lot of exposure to, you know, say a new LTD that's coming out or the pickups in a certain LTD model and stuff like that, but um, I could, yeah, I could, I could check them out and play them and kind of go through them and do that kind of thing.
0: No, I mean, that's, I mean, I love your job. <laughs> I think I told you that before um so um let's see i got a couple of questions so i understand you got a youtube channel that you started too recently
1: yeah i, I recently started i've i've taken a little bit of time off just because i i i don't want to flood everybody with nonsense so i just kind of wait for if questions come in i will answer questions that people have yeah so a questions about you know what it, what it, whatever it might be i'm still looking at format as far as if i'm going to do any kind of uh, demonstration type stuff you know where I'll do uh, demo videos where I can I can show people how to do things and stuff like that I'm thinking about going that route I think uh, people really seem to enjoy that type of uh, content
2: mm-hmm.
0: because uh, it's like a, right now it's like a Q&A right people ask questions and you just answer questions for people you get tons of questions yeah. I'm sure
1: so so it's basically, you know, I, have gotten a lot of questions over the years of, you know, different things and everything. And some of them I've lost because I didn't save them properly. And, and so that was kind of a bummer because I had a lot of really good questions from people in like stories and stuff, but you know, you lose all that. Yeah. So, um, basically it's just a way that I can be able to engage in one, one spot and everybody can see it and. You know, maybe a little bit better quality. A little bit, I have more control over it, over it. You yeah. Know? And I can, uh, you know, I can answer everyone's questions there, or I can just put up content and maybe it's interesting to people or. You know, what's the
0: name? Topics. What's the name of your uh, YouTube channel?
1: It's Greg the Guitar Guy.
0: Okay, so everybody check it out, Greg the Guitar Guy on YouTube. Um, I think I think we talked about on the internet at one point that you were thinking about doing a book or writing a book.
1: Yeah, actually I, I've written I've written a lot of it. So what I am doing is just kinda getting it getting it finalized. I, I don't want to add too much, but I want to add enough for it to, to be um, useful and you know, thinking of, of other things I can add to it to to give a little bit more interesting content to it.
0: That's and awesome. Are you, uh, do you have a publisher
1: um, I don't have a publisher yet no I haven't I haven't gotten that far with it I just want to get it written and worked out edited and and go from there I don't know if I'm just gonna do it digital but I kind of like the idea of having a, a hands-on uh, tangible
0: oh yeah you know, form. yeah because there's a lot of people that still like to read the books just like I actually buy CDs um, still from the bands I do like I buy CDs um, right but, like, I was going to say, there's, there's, um you know, on my uh, f- online feed for Instagram or whatever, I get these ads from, like, an uh, app. There's an app, like, for online publishing. Uh-huh. Like, if, like, if you write a book, you can go through this app, give them all the information, pictures, anything to do with the book. They'll publish it for you, put it together, and ship it to you. It's oh, like, do it yourself, cool. you know? It's kind of cool.
1: That sounds really cool. I'll have to get more information on there check into it. Like I said, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not rushing to write this thing, but at the same time, I would like to get it done. Yeah. I would like to be able to get it out there, you know, but I'm, I'm still thinking about stuff I want to add and, and, and if I want to add pictures, if I want to do any kind of, you know, anything like that uh, to it. Uh, more, more like photos or archival photos, you know, like, you know, from back in the day or stuff like that, um, kind of go from there.
0: Well, I'm sure it it'll do well in the guitar community, you know.
1: Well, I I hope so. I mean, you know, really I you know, for me it just, you know, if it helps somebody, that's that's the idea. You know, I I I'm, I'm more like I'm more like kind of a guy who's like a little bit more not not really a self-marketer, not really a promoter or anything. So, some of my social media or some of my um, my approaches are probably a little bit kind of laughable probably to some But it's basically just me just trying to uh, make sure I can engage with people and if I can help people in any way. That's kind of the idea, you know.
2: Well,
0: once it comes out, I'll be promoting it. I'll buy it, and I'll be promoting it. So
2: I appreciate that, Jim, very much.
0: And then um, do you ever consider, like, I mean, you have all these years' experience of guitars and stuff like that. Would you consider, like, creating your own company, Burnett Guitars or something? You ever thought about that? No, that's a good that's a good question because
1: that's something I have I have thought about. It's just um, logistics is really difficult with with starting a, a, a factory, especially in Southern California, and you got to have some pretty good capital. So it would be really about looking into investment, uh, you know, investment companies and and
2: mm-hmm. uh, seeing if that's you know a feasible business plan to to start making guitars because it's it's such a competitive market right now. Oh yeah, you know.
1: And I, I, you know, honestly, working with ESP over these past going on six years, like it's been it's been cool because it's it's almost like starting your own, yeah, starting your own company, and you know, except it's not my money, you know, it's it's I'm trying to to make the most use out of out of my employer's money and and see this see this factory just kind of like. Work run a little bit more autonomously, and and getting it to that point where it, it's just like a machine, and seeing it kind of working toward that way has been really cool. And you know, putting a crew together that that, that does an amazing job, and uh, you know, it's, it's been it's been a real, it's like I said, it's it's almost as fulfilling as having your own, and seeing that happen, and seeing changes, seeing how you know. You know, things implemented are implemented into that plan, are really making changes and seeing those seeing those guitars. The improvement on not only like how many guitars you can produce, but the quality of those guitars at the same time. That's that's a challenge, you know.
0: Yeah, well, you're doing a great job because you know ESP is like one of the best guitar companies in the world. I mean, worldwide.
1: Name to live up to. I mean, as far as ESP Custom Shop, I mean that's that's kind of like the gold standard, or that's kind of like the the standard we're being held to. So we've we've had quite a challenge making sure that our quality matches that ESP brand name. Um, you know, ESP is
2: a is a Japanese company, and that, yeah. that first shop was you know Japanese based in
1: in Tokyo, and you know they they started as a parts manufacturer. They would make replacement bodies and necks for. Different companies they actually made the first creamers and and you know all that stuff. So they basically manufactured bodies of extra and extra creamers. Yeah. What is so ESP? They're st-
0: they're what does ESP stand products. for? What does it stand for? Yeah, ESP. What does that stand for? I don't think uh, a lot of people. I,
1: I, I believe I believe it was originally electric
0: sound products. Yeah. That's yeah. That yep. Yeah. A lot of people don't and know now, what it stands for. No. And now
1: it's just kind of its own thing. You know, it, it almost like uh, that almost kind of phased out.
0: Excuse me, and that's, now it's just ESP. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Grain and Stain Flooring out of Huntington Beach, California. High-quality flooring company. Bring new life to your home with awesome flooring from Grain and Stain Flooring. You want high-end work at affordable prices? Call Grain and Stain Flooring at 714 907 2-1-2-8. Once again, 714-907-2128 and schedule a free estimate appointment. Grain and Stain flooring is also licensed, insured, and bonded for a 10% discount. Mention All Things Guitars and Music and they'll give you 10% off of uh, any service that they provide to you. So don't forget to check out Grain and Stain at Grainandstain.com. Grain and Stain Flooring, 714-907-2128. Thank you, and back to the show. All right, well, I appreciate, I mean, I'm getting towards the end, but I got a few questions to ask you before we, we call it a day um, okay. that I like to ask people. Um, let's see, so what was the first riff that you learned on the guitar? The you remember. that
1: I learned? Um... I want to say, you know, probably like the standards, like smoke on the water, um, yeah, that that type of thing. Uh, uh, maybe it's probably. I know. I wish I could remember this because there were so many at that time that I was learning, and it was basically those, those little more, more simple simple risks compared to what I could do now, you know. But um, I would say smoke on the water and um, war pigs.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. War of pigs is another one, and then yeah. those two and smoke. Wait, uh, cat scratch fever was was oh, the that's big ones. Cool. But um, like my my very first riff was uh, barracuda by heart.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, I learned that one. I learned that one early too because I thought that was pretty cool. That intro, you
2: know.
0: Yeah, and, and then that was like the first thing I ever learned, and it's like no wonder why I like thrash metal because because that the picking for barracuda know yeah. that, that,
1: that galloping, that yeah. galloping type picking, you know.
0: So I think about it, it's like, what did Hart create that riff? I mean, <laughs> so but yeah, that was the first riff I learned. So um, what type of what? What's your favorite food?
1: My favorite food. Yeah. Um. When when I'm not when I'm not worried about what I'm eating is is, is going to be Mexican food for the most part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I would
1: say. I would say. Uh,
0: Probably carnitas. Nice. Mexican food is like like I got a wife and kid and then sometimes we argue about what we're gonna eat for dinner. Um but like then we always end up Mexican food because it's like the go to. You know? So yeah, Mexican food's good. But my favorite food is seafood. Uh, Seafood.
1: Okay, seafood okay yeah I'm not a big I'm not really a big seafood guy even when I was a kid I just kind of it's kind of funny I outgrew it as I got older which is usually the opposite usually you grow into it but, yeah um, you know yeah I, I'm not, I don't really go for seafood too much I mean I'm not opposed to certain things but I'm I, I, it's just not my go-to you know
0: yeah so okay so you got Mexican food and then uh, question uh, are you into any new bands currently? Like new new metal bands or like what what are you listening to right now?
1: You know, like like right now. I mean, it, it all goes back to all the you know you know the the old school Bay Area thrash is like my number one.
0: Okay, so thrash uh, is your 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 number one music. Uh, as far as as far as Bay Area thrash. Yeah. Um, Who's your favorite? Oh gosh, I don't I don't really have like a one because like they're all they
2: all kind of. They all kind of tie into one another. They kind of influence each other.
1: They're all kind of part of that same scene. Yeah. Um, I like I like Death Angel a lot. I like uh, obviously Exodus. You know the top four Slayer. Player's not really Bay Area, but um, yeah. You know
2: Metallica,
1: Testament. You know, all, the, all the early, all the early, all the early stuff from from all those bands. Um, i have been listening to the new Death Angel. Um, new bands I like right now. I really like Warbringer because they're basically. They're basically doing it. You know, they're doing
0: it right. They're more on the thrash side, right? Yeah, they're,
1: they're, they're yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And uh, X Mortis is a rad band as
0: well. Yeah, they, um, I haven't heard their music or anything, but they used to uh, do shows at Riff House Studios. That's where Livid rehearses. My drummer owns the studio. And uh, right. they, they used to do a lot of shows and just pack into place. And then the guitar players are just shredders
1: i kind of really got into uh warbringer i got a uh a friend he's actually an esp artist and he plays in warbringer and x mortis so he plays in a couple different bands and he'll he'll do three if if possible you know but uh if i've had a chance to check them out they've been they're a really good band they work really hard and they got a killer sound
0: wow um so yeah so, oh, yeah, that's one of the questions I forgot to ask you. Like, how do you get the, um, how do you endorse the artist? Are you part of that or no? You're not part of that, right? How do you get no, the artist to endorse? I don't, do, I, don't do any artist, I don't do any artist relations or anything like that. Um,
1: but usually usually they'll have, usually on the website, they'll give you, like, the criteria and they'll kind of lay it out. You know, ultimately it's really up to the artist relations uh, team. They They... They've, they go through stuff and how how they do it, I don't I don't exactly know, you know.
2: But, yeah. Um,
1: I know that they look for, you know, now nowadays a lot of it has to do with followers and you know uh, followers. Uh, what you know, what your brand image is. Uh, there's there's just a few things that they'll look for. And I don't I don't even know their exact criteria, but I would say that that's kind of like the go to. Say say you're a YouTube sensation and you got a lot of followers. Yeah. You have an Instagram following that's pretty big. uh, That would be one way to do it. That's that's the cool thing about today with with social media and self promotion and stuff. You can build your own build your own kind of brand. Build you know and uh, you know kind of get get yourself out there and people can see what you're about. And sometimes that's how these guys are getting. Uh, with the company, as far as endorsement, endorsement deals, and
0: stuff like that. Well, like recent in recent years, the Nam, you know, it's like YouTubers are like the big rock stars nowadays. You know, like the okay. Jared Jared Dines. He has like I think three million subscribers, and he's like a rock star at Nam. With the... Right. No,
1: it's true. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like a lot of those a lot of those guys they've they just found a platform that they can show everybody what they got and. You know, get get all the get all these get all this following. They're obviously doing something right. They're excellent in marketing. They're excellent at video production. Um, you know, all those things. They work really hard. They, you know, they don't, you, people don't realize the amount of hours those guys put into what they do.
0: And yeah, it's deserve, a full time job. You know, and trust—they're good. They're they're good at what they do, and obviously
1: they're entertaining, and they they deserve to to earn some revenue for what they're doing out there, and 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 uh you know what
0: i mean yeah it's 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 a different world and it's like you know i dig that they've figured out a way to uh make money in music doing music right. you know instead of yeah. the traditional way and then uh so let's see so we got that question and then uh what what shows do you watch like your netflix series or amazon you have any shows that you watch
1: right now i'm watching one it's a it's a series and i didn't i didn't even know they were going to do like multiple multiple seasons or whatever but i'm watching uh something called you
0: oh yeah yeah i just yeah. finished it
1: yeah so I, i'm watching that right now i'm in season two and i guess they're gonna have a season three which means that the main character is still gonna be around so not to spoil anything but
0: did you finish the second season
1: uh, not yet
0: okay well, yeah. Well, I'm not gonna say anything. Um,
1: okay. Well, I guess I'll find out find out here shortly. I guess.
0: Yeah. So, like, so that's Netflix, or all right. That's what um, we just finished. What am I watching right now on Netflix? Oh, I'm watching this thing called The Legend of Bruce Lee. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. It's like it's only one season, but it's like 50 episodes. It's, I don't know. It's it's a Chinese show, so I, you have to read. It's subtitled. So oh, I'm, gonna, I'm
1: definitely going to watch that because I'm a, I'm a Bruce Lee fan.
0: That and then uh, yeah, I think that's it for right now. But um, Very cool. so how can people reach you on how your social? People reach me; they can reach me on Instagram at that guy Gregorio. Okay. And
1: my Facebook is just uh, should be just Greg Brunette.
0: And then uh, and then you already mentioned the YouTube
1: YouTube channel Greg the Guitar Guy.
0: Okay. Yeah, i try to put, I'll put some links up, you know, when I do release this. I'm just new starting this, so you're my uh, second person I got to interview, and I really appreciate it. Wow, Jim, I appreciate
1: that. I appreciate you even, even wanting me on in the grand scheme of things, because, you know, um, like I said, I've, I've been doing this a long time. I started, you know, with no experience and, and went on to, you know, get to, like, a management spot, so, um... It's, it's been pretty cool it's been a pretty cool ride to go from from down there and then kind of because i was hungry early you know and i know mm-hmm. we kind of jumped around a little bit but i was hungry early i wanted to learn everything i could possibly learn so i would get ahead at my work so i started with fretwork i got ahead i would go to other departments whether i should have or not either way what i did was i would get done with my work i would be ahead of my quota Go over to other departments and ask the, the lead guy in that spot, "Hey, show me how to
0: do these things." And that's how I basically gained my experience. Well, see, you're a hustler. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I,
1: I I was hungry to learn. I wanted to learn everything. I wanted to be the best at everything, and that was really the idea behind it. Um, you know, the the only thing I didn't gain was like a you know, Fender has this this marketing this marketing thing called Master Builder. And so basically, you know, uh, you know, technically what
2: I would have been, you know, is a master builder Oh. Okay. So without, without gaining the title or the, the you know, the hype,
1: I, you know, it, those guys are good at what they do and they, they should have that, but it's basically like that's a mark, that's a marketing title that Fender uses to promote their, you know, their, their top level guys. And, uh, um, yeah. you know, so basically that's, Work my way through different departments and learning different things and, uh, going from there,
0: you know? Well, that's how you, that's how you become successful at, at, any, uh, industry. You go in there, like in your case, you didn't know anything and you worked your way all the way to the top. Wanting to learn from other people, other departments where most people would just like, just be happy in their position. Right,
1: you know, and that, and that's the thing, you know, funny, funny thing is, is that I, I, uh, you know, it's just it's just kind of funny because like I did, you know, work through all different ways, but it—I—I I never start, I never stop learning, and that's the thing. There's, there's, there's builders that are way better than me out there, and there, there's so many things that I don't know, but there's so many things that I do know. Yeah. A lot of things that I've forgotten more things that I remember. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, it just kind of—it's kind of cool though because like there's so many, there's so many cool creative builders out there. You think that. You know, when you just when you think like, ah, there's nothing really else you can do, you know, like guys like Ron Thorne who's really he's really good at what he does. He's he's definitely earned the title of master builder as far as his his mm-hmm. uh you know, level of skill, his craftsmanship, his uh, just just the the designs he brings to the table. So he's he's doing some really cool things and you know, there's there's countless others that no one even knows who they are because they don't have a big brand behind them.
0: Exactly. So
1: that's really what I was going with as far as, like, you know, it's not, to, it's not to say that, you know, it's just marketing hype, but that term master builder is, is something that a company gives somebody. But there, there are incredible luthers out there who, who are doing some stuff that, that blow away any, anything that we're doing within, you know, the standard confines of, of, a, of, a, of a major brand, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I saw that uh, at the Dam show in the boutique, the boutique uh, area, did you okay. did you uh, see that?
1: Yeah, I did, and that's that's my favorite. That's my favorite spot because that's where you really see, see who knows what they're doing. Um, guys that I've guys that I've you know been exposed to because of that boutique area was uh, Scott Walker from Walker Guitars,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and a lot of this stuff is, is just just over the top as far as his metalworking, his his attention to detail. His, his craftsmanship is, is next level as far as guitar going and goes.
0: Yeah, those those guys are. I like that that guitar comp that guy from Israel, OD, I think it is. Um, mm-hmm. He had some good stuff there too. But all those guitars were like incredible. It's just like, I mean,
1: I don't even like to look at them too because it's like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't <laughs> belong. I don't belong doing this anymore because these guys, you know, it's just like. It's just like when you think you're getting good on guitar and then someone comes along and blows you away. It's the same thing. It's like, oh, I don't
0: even want to play anymore because this guy's so good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just like all those um, people will send me videos of people playing guitar on YouTube. And there's this one girl a few years ago, I don't even know her name, but she looked like she was 12. And she was just shredding on everything. The Mozarts, right. the Beethovens, the Steve i And just shredding it, not even missing anything. And... Her face looked like she was kind of bored. <laughs> I'm right. like, really? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. wow, it's Just yeah. people just have it in them. You know? It's
1: true. And, and, you know, also, too, though, you, you know, things that we, you know, to make, not to make excuses for ourselves. But a lot of the kids, you know, the past several years, they've grown up with a way to learn note by note, nuance by nuance. And, and, and obviously, they have to put in a lot of work to get to that level. But at the same time, They've had a lot more, you know, they've had easier access to information than we did when we were kids. What do we have to do? Slow down records? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, try to listen to things over and over again by rewinding a tape or putting the needle back or, you know, whatever the case may be. That's, that's the only access we have to really, you know, other than going to a one-on-one musician, but even then, a lot of those guys couldn't cop, you know, a lot of that stuff note for note. So you had to kind of figure it out yourself, so
0: yeah well i still learn i mean i usually like to have a cup of coffee and sunday mornings i wake up early and i'll just uh give myself a guitar lesson on youtube you know um there's a lot of guys like one day i'll do okay let me do a stevie ray vaughn lesson and then next day would be you know steve Vai lesson i just need to learn something one day a week on the guitar because if that's exactly what
1: I'll do also it's like ah, I, I don't quite have this part right let me, let me find it on YouTube and then I can learn it that way and it's it's a great source of information and like I said we didn't have access to that kind of thing when we were kids Could you imagine how many, how many more guitar players or how, how good they would be if we had that access to information back then you know
0: yeah it's crazy you could just search, search online for a, a tablature for any song you want
1: you know, and and as as people put put stuff out there, someone expands on that and they get it a little more right, and then so you have so much more information. Like I said, to get to get exactly what you're, you know, the get whatever you're trying to learn exactly the way it should be, and you know, everybody just gets really good because everybody has so much access to information. And everybody's learning from each other, and you know, like I said, expanding on that and. So there's a, there's a lot more high, highly skilled guitarists. At least we just know about them more now because everybody can post what they do. And, you know, maybe there always were as many people playing. You know, we just didn't see it because we didn't have social media back then, you know.
2: Yeah.
0: So there's good and bads about the social media thing.
1: <laughs> For sure. You know, I've had to take breaks from it because it just, you know, it would keep me from doing certain things that I need to do. Or, you know, you put too much time into it. You just have to kind of keep track of you know, you just have to
0: find a balance with it and not let it consume you, but to use it the way you need to, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, I try to post just what I'm doing, you know, but then I find out sometimes if I post a picture of a hot dog, I'll get a hundred likes and I'm like, you know, post a, a, you know, post about doing a show and I might get 30 likes. Yeah. That's,
1: that's the thing, you know, It's, it's just. I, you know, some of that, some of that is like almost like an auto auto response. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say that people don't really care, but at the same time, some of it's like just an auto response, like, oh, Jim's a cool guy. Let me just like his picture that he has up here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, that's like, that's kind of like my perception of certain things like that. Like, people aren't really taking the time to take it in, but they're just kind of scrolling through. I don't I don't know if that makes
0: sense. I know we're getting into a different topic now. <laughs> that's all right. But um maybe for another day. Yeah, for another day. But uh <laughs> All right, well, thank you. I think uh we hit the hour mark, so I think that should be good. And um Okay. But I'm going to I want when you do get your book out, you know, you can come back on the show. We could promote that. You know, that'll be something no, to do. That sounds good. Yeah, so all right. Well, thank you, Gray. I really appreciate it. And then um, hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Hey Jim, likewise, have a great day, sir, and I appreciate your call. All right, we'll be in touch. Thanks again, sir. All right, thank you. Have a good I'll one. Know. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to that episode of All Things Guitars and Music, the podcast by Vapor Guitars. Reach Vapor Guitars at v a y. P-E-R Guitars on all social media platforms and at VaporGuitars.com. Thank you for
2: listening. Till next time.